1: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game.
2: Time to play the game.
1: (laughs) It may be the nighttime,
2: but the sports talk doesn't stop.
1: Sports Talk Radio that's live, local. And
3: not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises. Telling it like it is.
4: You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order
3: yourself. And pretty much always right.
4: Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404 929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio
1: 92.9 The Game. Welcome to Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckbury Show. Hanging out with you in the Kia studios on this Wednesday evening. Going to be with you for the full four. Asking to download the Odyssey app. If you're not in the car as much, you want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone, the Alexa speakers, your tablet, your Coleco, your LightBright, your Palm Pilot. Whatever your device is, just download it on something to catch us when you're on the go. Social media, you can find us at 92.9 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. That would be at JMCH316. That's your water cooler talking points. Three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Look who's back producing the show. You got us one day in this week. Dylan is here at underscore Dylan Matthews. Dylan. I'm just letting it breathe. Is it? Is that it?
4: That's it for today. Okay. All right. I like to keep you on your toes with it. Sometimes I might add a couple of dialons. Yes. Sometimes only one dialon. You know what? What is that from, by the way? That's from uh, Dave Chappelle. Okay. Like, who are the five best rappers of all time? Dialon, Dialon,
1: Dialon, Dialon, and Dialon. Okay. All right, I got it now. So, does anybody call you like? mistakenly call you Dylan? Oh, yeah. It used to happen all the time. Really?
4: Yeah. Yeah, like teach, like teachers or like, you really? know, randomly if I'm getting a Starbucks or a Dylan. Like, I don't know. Have you never seen Dylan before? I, I like, know. I was
1: going to say, like, I mean, it's not like a completely uncommon name to say Dylan. I mean, no, it's not. I mean, I understand like D-I-L-L-I-O-N for like a last name or something like that. But for a first name, if you see D-Y-L-A-N, that's Dylan. I mean, but. Exactly. I don't anyway. Know. All right, uh, in the words of Jim Ross, we're busier than a one arm paper hanger here tonight. We will, uh, of course, get ready for Falcons and Saints coming up uh, here. As uh, The Falcons are practicing today at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so trying to get the, uh, the home, uh, home feel uh, out there before Sunday happens. We'll talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, coming up here at 740. We'll talk to her about uh, this week one. Um, a lot of interesting storylines uh, about this game. Um, You know, certainly, look, the number one thing that I'm looking for when we get on Sunday is what does our offensive line look like against their defensive line, right? We talked about this last night. Davenport and Cam Jordan had 21 and a half sacks last year. Their entire team had 46 last year. So they know how to get after the quarterback, blow plays up, behind the line of scrimmage, how does our offensive line respond? How do our quarterbacks respond to all of that? Now, we did see Drake London practicing out there. Now, I'm going to ask Tori about this. Why is there so much gamesmanship about Drake London? If he's – I understand NFL reports and, you know, trying to trick teams and all this nonsense, but the rookie first-round draft pick of this team – Is practicing for the first time in a month. And okay, he looks fine with everybody taking videos. And then the coach is telling me, well, we're gonna wait till Saturday. Okay. And I know on the injury report, he was you know listed as limited in practice today. Okay. Like I don't understand why there's so much gamesmanship. Can I tell you that the Saints are playing? Let me assure you, okay? Let let me go ahead and, and burst everybody's bubble. The Saints are planning on Drake London playing out there. And the Saints have a very good secondary, okay? They ain't all chopped liver back there. You know, remember, they added Honey Badger, you know, to the secondary and everything as well. So they're not chopped liver when it comes to their secondary. So I promise you they're planning on Drake London being out there. But there's like this gamesmanship for whatever reason about, you know, healthy, ready to go, and he's progressing, and we'll make a decision on Saturday. Like, is, is, does anybody think that they're fooling the Saints? Or I don't. I don't really understand the gamesmanship at this point in, in Week One of the NFL season. I, as if the Saints are like, whew, we don't know, man. We're just all confused about what the Falcons are gonna do with Drake London. No, they're gonna plan for him to play, and if he doesn't, it's a bonus. If he doesn't, the Saints are gonna be ready anyway. Anyway, we'll talk Tori coming up at seven forty uh, with all that. Just it, it makes my head just kind of implode uh, at times. Uh, Braves take the victory today, seven to three. They sweep this two-game set with the uh, god-awful, disgraceful, low-life Oakland A's. And yeah, I'm Braves hate win. Them. Braves win. I love it when they call me Big Papa. Yeah, there you go. They got a Braves victory out of all of it. There's no bigger dirtbag organization in the entire major leagues than than uh, the Oakland A's. Now we'll talk to our buddy Chris Willis coming up here at at eight twenty. It's funny because Chris and I were talking off-air about. Half the league is trash in Major League Baseball. Like half, half the entire league is just trash. The, the Oakland's and the Pittsburgh's and the Nationals, I, there's like no emphasis on winning. It, it's a matter of, okay, if we win, it's because our young guys became the greatest players in the league and we're not paying anybody. And as soon as they get to arbitration or free agency, we're not paying anybody. So we better win before guys get to arbitration or we're not going to have anybody left on our roster. That's literally the thought process for the Oaklands and the Pittsburghs and the Kansas City Royals and those kinds of teams. We're not going to pay anybody, and let's hope we can win with our young guys before they move into arbitration years. Like, how are you going to win in Major League Baseball like that? Roll the dice and just hope for the best? Even the Baltimore Orioles, who have had a good season, they went and traded Trey Mancini at the deadline. Now, we're not going to make a run for it this year. We're going to hope we get a wild card. And if we do, great. If we don't, at least we've got something for Mancini in return. Huh? What? Or in the words of Hugh Douglas, what? So, Braves take care of their business today. Strider was, look, give Strider credit. He got bounced around a little bit in the first inning. The walks, hits, 36 pitches to get out of the first inning, and still only finished with 103 pitches. That's being efficient. Six innings, two hits, two runs, three walks, nine strikeouts, which he's always going to have a crap ton of strike. At this point, he's always going to be more than – he's always going to be at least probably a strikeout and a half per inning. Right? I mean, that, that's just pretty much a given. And, and he's pushing toward 200 strikeouts. Go look at the list of the Atlanta Braves pitchers that have 200 strikeout seasons. There are very few guys that are not named, you know, Smoltz, uh, uh, Phil Necro, right? There's, there's a few guys mixed in. There's a Kevin Millwood mixed in. Remember him? You know, there's a few guys here or there mixed in, but they haven't had a whole lot of 200 strikeout guys, right? You know, I, don't, I can't remember if Maddox or Glavin had a, a 200 strikeout season, but if you look at the Braves list, it's not very deep with guys who have been 200 strikeout pitchers in a season. Strider's going to do that, and you know, for a lot of pitchers, would be you know, two thirds of a season because he's only going to have maybe what 140 innings or something like that pitched. And by the way, don't look now, you know, who's hitting in the month of September. Any idea, Dylan, who all of a sudden is actually hitting well in the month of September.
4: I'm going to say, I know this isn't because he hasn't been in the
1: lineup enough. Uh, my guess was Marcelo Zuna, but yeah. he hasn't been oh it is. No. okay in, in the month of in the month of September, with today's action included, he's in he's seven for 16, hitting 438, scored a couple of runs. he's got a Homer and he's driven in four runs.: Do you think the light bulb went off for
4: him in this last little you know DUI thing that oh, you know they don't need me. maybe I should get
1: my head straightened on.: I don't know. Uh, and I, I will say this, though. The Braves have a crap ton of interesting and good problem-to-have roster moves. Everybody's assuming Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka are coming back. How are they going to put both those guys out there? Are they DFA and Rizzy? Are they, are they opening up multiple spots? Because you've got, even with the expanded roster, you've got Ozzy, you've got Ian Anderson, you've got Mike Soroka. What are you going to do with all those guys? They, they have first-world problems right now. And, and again, somebody had, had uh, tweeted me, Dylan, about the depth of the Braves lineup. Were you all out for coffee and bagel in March when I talked about, you know, literally in March, like February to March, when I talked about, you know, this might be the deepest lineup in baseball. And now these young guys have just made it even deeper.
4: That's where the three to six months in advance. Yeah. You know, like, water cooler talking like, points. With all
1: due respect, where were you? Were you at? Were you You know, Schlotzky's getting a sandwich, or what? This is not news. Like this, this lineup is. This lineup, even coming into the season, was deep as deep as anybody in baseball. You know, and that's before knowing that Ozuna couldn't hit, or this, that, and the other, or Ronnie's hurt and Ozzy's hurt Duval's and all this kind of hurt. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Duvall's out. Even even before knowing all of that, this was already arguably the deepest lineup in Major League Baseball. Now these young guys have come up and just lit a fire. And I think that there is something to youth, by the way. Uh, I do think that there is something to the idea of youth on your ball club when it comes to, you know, trying to win again and this, that, and other. I do think veterans getting a chance to see the youthful nature of guys that are coming up and fighting, scratching, claw And, you know, there's an old saying that says, you don't know what you don't know. That's a lot of these young guys, right? They don't know what they don't know. They just go out there and every day and every night just go out and get it done. And I was asking Mike and Carl this. Vaughn Grissom right now, Strider and Harris are going to be the rookies of the year, right? Whether they split it, whatever. that They're going to be 1-2, right? No question about it. It's not even close, okay? But unless you're telling me Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals is that a pretty good year for them or – Christopher Morrell of the Cubs, unless you got to tell me one of those guys and, and, you know, those guys have done some good things, but they haven't like, they haven't, you know, uh, what I want to say outplayed a lot of other guys. Grissom may end up third or fourth at worst. I, I think Donovan, I think Donovan, because of how much he's played for the Cardinals. And like I said, he's got almost a 400 on base percentage. He's had a nice year for them and, and, they're probably going to be a playoff team, and they've got two top-tier MVP candidates, but they haven't gotten a, a lot of other contributions. You know, Host has had his streaks there, right? But Donovan's been pretty steady for them playing a lot. And like I said, he's got almost a 400-on-base percentage for them. So maybe because of how long he's played or how much he's played, he's, he, he might finish third, but there's no reason to think that Grissom won't be probably at worst fourth in the National League Rookie of the year voting. That's crazy to think about. I don't think anybody, well, and I take that back. There was one team, because I looked this up the other day. Because I did look up the other day that, you know, the Braves had the last time that teammates were 1-2 in the rookie of the year voting. That was Kimbrell and Freddie Freeman in 2011. Um, and there have been multiple, I think there's been seven times. The most famous one is Jim Rice and Fred Lynn, right? Lynn was the AL rookie of the year and the MVP of the league. First time that was ever done and Jim Rice finished second in the uh, rookie of the year voting, but there was one team and this, I think you have to go back to the 1950s. Like I think either like late fifties or early sixties, I think the Baltimore Orioles had the number one, two, and three rookie of the year candidates. But think about how many rookie of the year candidates you had back in those days, right? I mean, most of the time you might only have one or two guys that would even make the voting. That's how impressive what the Braves young core has done. So as of right now, the Braves are tied for first place. Now, the Mets have already won today. They beat the Pirates earlier today. However, they are playing right now because, remember, they got rained out on Monday, and so they're in a doubleheader right now. So F the Mets. Yes. F the Mets. Yep. Step, Step right, right up, up and F, F the Mets. Mets. So, the Braves will either be a half game in first or a half game behind first place when the Mets get done in the second game with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, we'll see what happens there. But, obviously, otherwise, it's – it's all good news uh, at Truest uh, Park. All right, when uh, we come back, um, we didn't even mention this because I'm, I'm waiting, but has the time come to move on from Joseph Martinez? We're going to talk about that next. Chakra Nikia Studios. Sports right now to the game, the honesty.com app.
3: Selling a little or a lot?
0: well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. No, no, no I'm having a good time, having a good time.
4: Sports
1: Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Back at the John Chuck Show, live in the Key studios, Wednesday night with you. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of this show. Honestly, you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 game at JMC 316, at underscore Dylan Matthews. Tori McElhaney going to join us in 20 minutes uh, from right now. We'll talk to her about the uh, Falcons as we get ready for week one against the New Orleans Saints here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Do you know, by the way, do you know what the Falcons' record is the last three seasons at home? What is it? 7-17. Seven and 17. Oh,
4: goodness. Is that good? That's far from good. Oh,
1: okay. That's why they're practicing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium today. But anyway, we'll talk to her in about 20 minutes from right now. Speaking of other teams that Arthur Blank owns, we got a surprise news story this morning that – Joseph Martinez has been suspended from Atlanta United for a week, will not be with the team this week at their facilities, will not play, obviously, this coming weekend as they have, what, uh, they've got Toronto here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. And it's conduct detrimental to the team. And among other things that happened, one was supposedly he got in a big argument with Gonzalo Pineda, the manager. The other is he flipped over a table full of chicken and rice in the locker room. Now, obviously, this has been not just a bad year, but a contentious year for Atlanta United. And Joseph is in the middle of all of this as well. You know, I I don't know enough about the technical, the the formation aspect of Atlanta United, but I don't understand why Joseph has not been starting. And obviously, if there's been behind-the-scenes issues and things like that, or if he's not healthy or something like that, somebody come out and say something and tell us. I know they don't want to, but I'll ask this question because I asked this a bunch of months ago to Felipe Cardenas in an interview that we did with him. Has the time come to move away from building around Joseph? Now the the question has to be, is it time for Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United to part ways? Because obviously there is some disconnect between Gonzalo Pineda and Joseph Martinez. And at this point, much like Barco or some of these other guys that we've heard that have had issues with coaches and stuff in the past, I don't know that you can fix or repair it. It's not a knock on what Joseph is or is not as a player. He's the most dynamic scorer in the history of MLS. There's no question about it, no question about what his legacy is. But for a team that is going nowhere fast with him, and is, when I say clinging by a cat whisker to their playoff hopes, although I'm not really sure they have playoff hopes, but I guess, Dylan, you'd know more than I would, I guess mathematically they're still in the playoff mix, right? So they're still technically in the mix. But let's face it, the idea that they're going to rattle off a whole bunch of wins and stuff like that, I don't really see it happening. And they're one of the worst road teams in MLS. And if your star player can't get on the same page with the manager, I know that this is not a popular opinion to say you have to pick one or the other, but sometimes in sports it does come down to that. That you have to pick one or the other. See, I, I don't, I don't believe, I, I and I'm gonna raise my hand and say, I don't believe that Bruce Arians just decided on his own that I don't want to coach anymore. I don't believe that for a second. Nothing is that clean. You can't, you can't, even when you don't plan something, you can't make it that clean. Uh, I'm not gonna coach anymore. I'm gonna let Todd Bowles coach. And I'm going to move up to the front office and all that. After what we heard, all the angst about Tom Brady and this, that, and the other, I I don't believe things just happen in a vacuum. And I think this is one of those situations where, honestly, whether it's you trade them, sell them, whatever, whatever it is, I think the time has probably come for this franchise to start building around their next group of players. Look, add in the fact as Joseph gets older, He's still missing time because of injury. I think he's missed what? Is it eight matches this year, I think? Does that sound about right, Dylan? I think he's missed about eight matches this year. Obviously, in the years past, he's missed as much as half or quarter of a season. You know, I just think when you add it all up, and now these kinds of incidents are coming to the forefront. He's arguing with his manager. He's upset behind the scenes. And look, he's a very emotional guy. I get all of that. I understand it completely. You know, and he's a star. I'm sure he's frustrated about the idea of not starting or playing more or whatever. But something has to give. Something has to change. Because, look, you know, this. I know this organization wants to talk about, you know, we're, we're a global brand, and we're going to be the biggest soccer team in the universe, and I, I get all that. That's great. Can I tell you right now, you got to focus on figuring out how to be better in MLS. You got to figure out how to get yourself back on track to being a top tier MLS team, because before we worry about global brands and and you know best in the universe and worldwide you know organization, you better start being good in your own league. And they ain't very good in their own league anymore. And if that means you know in some ways potentially addition by subtraction, where Pineda doesn't have to try to find a role, doesn't have to try to find a way to squeeze him in answering questions about why he's not starting this time. Because I know for a fact, Felipe Cardenas asked Gonzalo Pineda after their last match, why is he not starting? Well, was it, Portland, the other day that they played? They were in Portland, and he asked them, why is he not starting? Well, there are reasons, and you know, and I don't want to get into all this kind of stuff. Well, somebody damn sure better tell me why, you know, the most prolific goal scorer in the history of the entire sport you know, in this country is not, you know, not playing enough or starting or whatever. If you want to tell me you're in the playoff hunt, but but my premier guy that can put the goal ball in the back of the net, which by the way, hasn't exactly been look, we can talk about chances and on-goal shots and all this kind of stuff. They're high up. They create chances, right? But again. It's great to shoot your shot, but don't you at some point have to put one in the net? I mean, you know, in real life and on the soccer field, right? At some point, you have to close. At some point, it has to be, okay, well, you know, we created shots. Well, we had some on-target stuff and just bad luck or whatever. Okay, well, luck's a byproduct of work. And and the questions and this that and the other, and now you have a situation where a guy that you really need right now, you know. Again, I understand injuries and all that stuff has, has derailed Atlanta United massively. I get it. I, I understand all that Miles Robinson because I get all that stuff. But you've had Aruju, you've had Joseph, you've had Almada, you've had those guys this year, and they don't score enough goals. That go look at their numbers. Statistically, yeah, they create chances. They create on-target shots. They take plenty of shots. This, any other. But when it comes to actually scoring, they're a middle-tier team in MLS. They're a low-tier team in uh, shot percentage and things like that. Yeah, they create lots of opportunity. But nothing you know, close enough. And now your manager's, you know, being asked about why is he not starting and this, any and the other. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this. Like, I, I think the people that we have that cover Atlanta United, Jason Longshore, uh, Joe Patrick, and I think the people that cover them, like Felipe, I like all of the people. I think they all do a good job of covering this team. Maybe better than, you know, a lot of other teams get covered in this town. And I think everybody's been very fair. But I think that there has to start being some questions asked about what direction is this franchise going. Look, you've obviously got the Darren Eels situation that, you know, now that he's gone, somebody's got to fill that role. What are we doing about building our roster? This, and I understand the cap and the limitations and the international signings and all that kind of stuff, you know, but what do I always say on this show? I don't care how the watch was made, tell me what time it is. I don't care about the labor pains, show me the baby. If I can use a, uh, Uh, Al Pacino line from uh, Oceans 13. I don't care about the labor pain. Show me the baby. That's what I am with Atlanta United. I don't care about what, show me results. Don't tell me about we can still make the playoffs or this or that or whatever. Don't tell me about being a global brand and all that kind of stuff. And we're not competitive in our own league. And unfortunately, maybe that starts with it's time to move on. From Joseph Martinez, it's time to have a parting of the ways. Sell them, trade them, whatever, whatever it is that you have to do. And, and who knows? I mean, and I know this sounds crazy. Sometimes you have addition by subtraction, right? R- remember when the Nationals lost Bryce Harper and their season was going to go in the tank? What did the Nationals do that year when Bryce Harper left? They won a World Series sometimes in life, that there is addition by subtraction. Would I hate to see Joseph go? Of course. He's the most important player this franchise will ever have. Let me repeat that. He's the most important player this franchise will ever have. He will never replace what Joseph Martinez has meant and done for this franchise, just like Matt Ryan. The Falcons will never replace – what Matt Ryan meant and did for the Atlanta Falcons franchise. Nobody will ever replace that. Same thing with Joseph Martinez. Nobody will ever replace what he has done and meant for this franchise. But it's not going well. Now you're getting this incident. Now we suspended when you're trying to hang on for dear life in a potential playoff spot, just trying to find your footing as you close out the season here. What do they have left? Is it they have five matches left? I believe they are at seven. Seven matches left. Okay. So seven matches left on the season. And obviously your star player and the manager, they've had their altercations and run-ins and stuff like that. We've kind of gotten little trickles and blips and bloops and bleeps on all that. Now we have an incident where your star player behind the scenes is Letting his emotions out, and Joseph's an emotional guy. I get that, but obviously this is more than just he simply tipped over a table of food, right? Like you say, oh, it's just it just flipped over some chicken and rice. No, I promise you, it's a lot more than that. I promise you, it's a lot more than that. And, and if if the reporters are putting out, and and all this is coming from the athletic and some other sources, if this is what's being put out there, imagine what we don't know, right? Imagine the idea of what we don't know behind the scenes going on. So I expect Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United to some kind of to come up with some kind of parting of the ways this offseason. And maybe it's time to just hit a full blown reset and and build around, you know, Aruju and Almada and guys like that and get your guys back healthy and reload. Reload, regroup, and see what happens. But right now, this has been a very cantankerous contentious season for Atlanta United. And it's not just the on-the-field results that are, you know, in the forefront for Atlanta United. They're making too many headlines off the field now for this franchise. All right, when we come back, Tori McElhaney going to join us. Fox and Falcons football up next. Chuck from the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game. The Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back at it on the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the K-Studios Wednesday night with you. For that's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app, so you catch us on the go. Social media is at 92 on the game. I'm at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. Well, we get things cranked up Sunday, week one in the NFL for the Atlanta Falcons at home. Don't forget, the calendar's pretty easy. 9-11. to 11, Myself and Hugh Douglas will be right there on Northside Drive at the Smooth Lot for the Wade Ford Tailgate Show. And then we'll take you up to pregame coverage 11-1. That's Harper to Bell and Chris Goforth. And of course, 1 o'clock kick. West Durham and Dave Archer will have the call for all of it. Here to help us figure it all out, let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. She is our friend of the show. Covers the Atlanta Falcons for Atlanta Falcons Tori McElhaney joins us. And, of course, you can follow Tori on her Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney. As always, Tori, appreciate it, as I'm excited. We are finally here through all the Michigas and everything else, and we're finally ready to play (laughs) football on Sunday.
2: Thank goodness. You know, I, I do love the preseason. I do love training camps, but I only love it for, like, two weeks, and then I'm over it, and I'm ready for the season to start. So I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we made it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't know, how do, how do I say this? I'm, I guess I'm a little bit having trouble understanding the, the Drake-London situation. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. just getting back into practice, and he's had a couple of pretty good days of practice, but it seems like there's a lot of gamesmanship. And we had, Dukes and Bell had Arthur Smith on the show earlier today, and he talked about it's going to be Saturday before we have a decision and things like that. I mean, are we really at this point this close to not having Drake London for Sunday? Or why does there seem to be so much gamesmanship about his health and his availability on Sunday?
2: You know, I I kind of agree with you. It's kind of been a weird situation. I understood holding him back for the preseason. I, I got that. But now we are fully into week one and we're two days into practice and he's Still limited, and granted, we only see the first thirty minutes of practice, and we only see maybe one drill of eleven on eleven walkthroughs. Nobody's going a hundred percent, and so that's the only part of practice that we see. And he is participating in that. However, we don't know what the rest of practice looks like, and what him being "quote unquote" limited is. But I will say this: it wouldn't surprise me as the week goes on that he that on the injury report that he is listed as a full participant in the coming days. I don't see, I don't have any indication that he won't be playing on on Sunday because I I think he looks ready to go. No, I don't, Obviously, looks can be deceiving, but I do think it's probably just a situation where they're just, like, slowly bringing him back and then that that they want him a full 100% on Sunday. So, it really wouldn't surprise me if they're just working him back and that we'll see him in full participation on on Thursday or Friday.
1: Tori, the other thing um, that I just, well, I I, I know in all this, but Deion Jones going to IR. Mm -hmm. Now... I, you know, obviously, he had the shoulder procedure, clean up, on the pup list for training camp, can come off at any time, and then he comes in and, and plays a bunch against Jacksonville in the final preseason game, right? But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, things turn, and he's got to go on short-term IR. What happened? Help me understand how we went from he's off, he's playing, things look good. I never heard a word about he was hurt or re-aggravated anything, and then it turned into, oh, yeah, he's going to be on IR for the first four weeks of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was, I think it pretty much caught everyone not off guard because I think there was always a chance someone comes off of pup, you don't really know exactly how how far they have progressed in terms of their recovery. Um, But it it was a situation where I think, like Arthur Smith said on Monday when he was asked about it, he just said, and he was talking about Isaiah Oliver and Deion Jones, he's like, we did not think that they were, 100% they wouldn't have been put on uh, IR. And so I know Mm -hmm. using the Isaiah Oliver example, I know we talked to Isaiah after the game against Jacksonville and he said then that he wasn't, he was close to 100%, but he wasn't there yet. So when Isaiah Oliver gets put on IR, that doesn't surprise me. But when, we don't talk to Deion Jones after the game and then he's put on IR. It is one of those things that was like, well, did he re-aggravate something? Like what was the deal? Was he not close to a hundred percent even coming off of pup? And they just needed to get some tape on him in case there are some trade offers out there. I mean, those are things that I think about too. It's like, did you just need to put Deion Jones on film to be like, Hey, look, he's working back. He's getting healthy. Don't you want to take him off of our hands? I'm not saying that that's what the Falcons are doing, but that's kind of where my mind goes, if I'm being completely honest. And now you get into the season and it's like, okay, he's not at 100%. We tried to, to get some tape out there and no one bit. And so now we're just going to we're gonna put him on, on IR and, and wait four weeks and see where we are then. That's kind of where my head's at with this.
1: Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. The only thing that kind of surprised me about the depth chart, I'm not surprised Drew Dahlman won the job, and I know it's close and all that, but I think that there are also other factors that, that help Drew Dahlman. But the one that kind of surprised me a little bit, and I don't know how much of a surprise it is, but Patterson we knew RB1. But Damian Williams as the second running back and Algier as the third. And I know Arthur talked about in preseason all that, well, we don't put rookies you know at the top, but – Drake London's listed as wide receiver one right now on their list, so they do put, you know, when it is regular season, they will put those guys on there. But were you surprised at all that Algiers kind of listed third? Because I'll be honest with you, I hope we see a lot more out of him on Sunday than even Damian Williams.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people would probably say that as well because Tyler Algier did have a good preseason. I think you were really, really excited when you watched Tyler Algier in the preseason because you saw – the player that the Falcons want him to be when they drafted him. That being said, you do go out in free agency and you get Damian Williams and we know kind of what Damian Williams can do and and what he's good at and but the problem with Damian Williams is also the similar problem with Cordero Patterson, which is not a problem, but they're just older. You're not gonna run C P and Damian Williams out there much in the preseason at all. So we really did we're never gonna get a good view of what this run game looks like with CP and Damian Williams as number one and number two because the Falcons were never going to run them out there so I I think when you look at this run game there are still a lot of questions that I have about the rotation about how many carries certain guys are going to get what it's going to look like how well they do I mean all those all of those are still questions that I very much have because in the preseason, we saw Tyler Algier, Quadre Allison, and Caleb Huntley. We did not see Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams, who you assumed going into this season were going to be your ball carriers, your number one and number two. So it didn't surprise me that that's how the depth chart fell. But I also will say this, that I, I'm not saying at all that we're going to see Damian Williams more than Tyler Algier or vice versa. I think that's just kind of where they put them in the, on the depth chart. I really don't make a lot of depth chart decisions, um, but I, I think that we are still going to see a good amount of Tyler Algier because I think he's earned those live reps. I really do.
1: Well, depending on how it goes, maybe they'll ask you to do some more of it. But anyway, um, one, other, <laughs> one other roster thought. Um, is Ogundaje going to start on Sunday at the other outside linebacker spot with Carter? Because he's listed right now as their starter over Arnold Ibikati.
2: Yes. Yeah, no. Ade I is 100% in my mind the starter opposite Lorenzo Carter. Um and that has never been something that has wavered for me throughout the preseason. Um I think Ade Ogangdeji has done a really good job we've seen. I think we've seen a lot of growth from him. I think back to the second game of the preseason in New York where we did actually get to see more of the first team defense. And I really liked what I saw from Ade Ogundeji when he was out there. I felt like he was always around the ball. And and I, I think that Ade Ogundeji is someone that gets overlooked a lot because you do, you're you talking about a guy who was a later round draft pick last year and then had some rotational roles here and there throughout the year. Honestly, played more as the year went on last year as he got more comfortable in the league. but. You talk about Arnold Ebuchetti, who is your second-round draft pick, who you went up, you traded up to get, and everybody's like, oh, well, we need to see Arnold Ebuchetti. I'm not 100% sold on that yet. I think Audio Ogundeji deserves that starting spot right now. I'm not saying that in week 15 we don't see Arnold Ebuchetti in a starting role. But for right now, I feel like Ade Ogundeji, it it's his spot to lose.
1: Tori McElhaney from atlantafalcons.com joining us on the wadeford.com hotline. So as we look to this matchup, um, you know, I'm going to be laser focused on what this offensive line does to hold up against Davenport and Cam Jordan. know, this is a team that had 46 sacks last year. Those two guys at 21 and a half, they feel pretty confident that the five guys that they've picked up front can, can handle that. Are they going to have to get a little bit more creative on offense or you know, one other way you can slow that down is run the football effectively.
2: <laughs> well, I think it will. I mean, you talk about running the football effectively. I think what we have seen from Marcus Mariota and what we know of Marcus Mariota, I don't. He's not the type of guy who's going to stand in the pocket, and if it collapses, he's not going to be able to escape it. Like I think that's something. And this is not me saying anything bad like, about Matt Ryan at all. But Marcus Mariota is a different type of quarterback. And if the pocket closes in on him and he doesn't have an option to throw it away, he's going to tuck it and he's going to run and he's going to get some yards because he has that athletic ability and that speed to do so. So with that being said, I think that adds a certain layer to what you can do offensively, but also at the exact same time, talking about the offensive line. I do think when I look at this offensive line right now, where they are right now, comparatively speaking to where they were at this time last year, I feel more confident in this offense, in this starting five that you have right now. Now, could I change my tune after they face the Saints? Sure, of course. Uh, but for right now, I feel okay with the group that they have presented us through through training camp and it'll be really really interesting going back to talking about the run game you know for the most part like run the run game in and of itself like you really don't get to see the full scope of it until you get to week one you see it periodically throughout the three preseason games but you think about the last preseason game that starting offensive line did not play we don't know what that would have looked like so with that being said there are still so many questions about what this team is going to look like come when they put the pads on and get out there on Sunday.
1: Last thing, Tori. Um, I think another matchup that's going to be interesting, uh, you know, in reading a lot and, and talking to a couple of Saints, you know, people, I do think Michael Thomas is going to play on Sunday. I think he's going to make his, yeah. you know, first start back in you know a couple of years now. You know, that obviously adds another dynamic, but, you know, Kamara's been a guy who's killed this team historically, catching the ball out of the backfield. It is going to be interesting to see how much of a dynamic Michael Thomas can bring to how the Falcons are going to defend the Saints' offense.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think you think about, I mean, when I look at the Saints, I I see a lot of weapons for Jameis Winston. I I really do, and I think a lot of people look at the Saints and and they see that they can do a lot of different things offensively, and there are a lot of skill players on there that are really, I mean, they're effective. And when I think about, what the challenge is. I mean, this is one this is a pretty significant challenge for this Falcons defense that's trying to change the way that people think about defense in Atlanta, something that Dean Pease has harped on this off season and this preseason. I think this is a really good challenge and test for where this secondary is especially the secondary i mean we can talk about pass rush all day long and there's a lot of work that needs to go into that to be better than what it was in 2021 but let's just talk about the secondary i've been talking about the secondary and how strong i think that group is all preseason and all training camp i mean with aj terrell and casey hayward and jalen hawkins and richie grant those two guys finally getting a chance to, to play alongside each other i mean this is a group in, in the secondary that I'm excited to see and have been for a while. What do they do when they're faced with this, the, these skilled players and these weapons that the Saints have? I'm curious to see that. And I think it's a really good marker of where this defense is because the Saints offense is going to go out and they're going to move the football. So how do you stop it? How do you get off the field on third downs? Can you force turnovers? All of those things are going to be so important on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a big game to get off on the right foot uh, at home. So we will, uh, we will see it happens. Uh, check out her work at atlantafalcons.com. Head there and uh, read all of her good work that she does there. Follow her on her Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. We'll be talking to Tori every Wednesday throughout the NFL season to preview the Falcons' upcoming game. And she joined us here on the com hotline. Tori's always appreciated. Man, I'm uh, – I'm with you. I'm glad we're finally at a regular season. Let's get this thing underway, and, you know, let's get going on this season. I've, I've had enough of the prognostications and the, you know, paralysis. I've got a paralysis from analysis, so ready to play some football on Sunday.
2: <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Finally, we'll have something real to talk about.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, Tori. Thank you so much. So, Thank And, again, you. we'll be talking to Tori every Wednesday throughout the NFL season. So, um, good stuff. And, look, I, I, here's what I'm going to say. I know we got to get to break. This is an important game. Falcons are 7-17 at home the last three years. And you're going to head right out to the West Coast to play the defending Super Bowl champions, probably stay out there to play a mediocre Seattle team, but you're in Seattle, and then you come back home for the Browns. Dylan, ask me real quickly, what will the Browns be bringing to Atlanta when they play here? What will the Browns be bringing to Atlanta? Nick Chubb, Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett, you know, that offensive line, knows guys up front. Yeah, they're bringing all those guys. Denzel Ward, Delpit, Greedy Williams. They're bringing all those guys. These guys are they, pretty they, good players, they, you they, name They're not bringing Deshaun, who this team wanted. We'll talk about that coming up, too. But anyway, um, you got to get off on the right foot this weekend. Divisional game at home before you head out west to start the season. Let's get a victory on Sunday. All right, Falcons fly over when we come back. Lots of audio to get in. And pro football focus, one position matchup for every game in week one. I'll give you what they have for the Falcons and Saints. Chuck the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, the Odyssey.com app.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.